1: Tracy Penichuk joins us now. So tell me the latest, and I want to break down your Broad and Liberty piece as well, but where are we with this stalemate, and do you think it will happen that we'll get a budget before late September?
2: So, so let me just start by saying um, while we all agreed on the general appropriations budget, both in the House and the Senate, which I was very proud to um, vote yes on because it is a good budget, um, things kind of came to a crashing halt when the governor announced that he would veto a line-item veto of the PASS program, and that lifts children that are in poor, underprivileged areas, giving them a choice out of those failing schools into um, private schools that, while it sounds like it's um, a done deal, isn't a done deal. The general appropriations just allocates the money. The code bills behind all of that is where the meat of the budget is, and that's what's still being negotiated now.
1: And so there's – because I I keep going back and forth with people, and some people say keep hope alive on this. Others say no. And so that's really what I – Wanted to get to the the bottom of. Can I just get your reaction, though? As as far as somebody who was working in earnest and thought, "Isn't this fantastic that we have something that I know is what? What are they saying? 02 percent of a huge state budget, but is so important to so many families and children in poor for, or low performing school districts, and at the same time they have to meet a certain lower income to get those so-called vouchers it's i guess a form of a voucher or school choice program but what was that moment like when everybody realized oh wait a minute now the govern the governor governor shapiro is is changing on this and we're not going to get this
2: so it's disappointing and i think the most disappointing point is everyone talks about the budget everyone talks about the dollars the reality is we have children that are being advanced to the next grade that cannot read or do math at grade level so then they're getting to high school and they're functionally illiterate and are not reading at grade level and they're just passing through the system mm-hmm. and it's wrong we owe children more than that and and we know that we have kids that are in low-performing schools that I've met with parents that say look I want my child there's no parent out there that says I want my kid to be in a crappy school It <laughs> says so no parent ever um, Every parent wants, you know, more for their children, especially children that are are, are underprivileged, black and brown, living in, um, you know, maybe immigrants to this great country. Those people don't know how to advocate for their child. It's upon us as lawmakers to make sure that they are getting the best education that they can. And if that means that they go to a private school, so be it. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to educate every child. Our goal is not to prop up the public system if it's failing. Now, I, I'm a firm believer that we have to give more money, and we are. Over a billion dollars in the last two years, another billion dollars um, billion dollars in this budget to public schools. But we, those children can't wait. They can't wait while we figure out how to make this better and how to make this right. They don't have that opportunity of time. They have one opportunity to get a good education. And every day they don't is one day less of a bright future.
1: Yeah, obviously, I agree with you. And we're talking here with Senator, (laughs) State Senator Tracy Penacook, who is originally, I know, that you served in the House of Representatives in Pennsylvania uh, representing in part Montgomery County and now Pennsylvania State Senate representing the 24th district since uh, since this year so congratulations what thank you th- yeah i mean you know you the fact you know when you think when i think about Montgomery County because i remember a time when Montgo Delco Bucks were really considered red and now these counties are in play as people move out of the city for example and so how do you manage that as and balance that as you're representing a lot of individuals and getting them to vote for you when maybe they've traditionally looked, maybe they're more purple or independent voters or maybe they're Democrats?
2: Um, you know, that's a really great question, I think, because I'm fiscally conservative and. Um, and, and maybe I work across the aisle maybe too much. And I get that a lot, that I I, I work with my Democratic mm-hmm. um, counterparts too much. But that's how I believe we should work government. We, in in the 24th, with um, some of my House members, are Democrat. We work together because it's the best for our community. I represent everyone in the community, not just Republicans, not just Democrats, not just independents. So you, you've got to learn to work together. And I think that's the only way we can have a, a successful functioning government is to work together. We may not agree on everything, but, you know, you got to compromise, you got to move forward, and you have to do what's best for your see or excuse me, your constituents. You caught me on a Friday morning. Um, <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, that we I want to see the twenty fourth be um, the best district in the um, Commonwealth. I want to see the people prosper. I want to see every child get an education. I want to see our seniors stay in their homes and getting the you know the real estate tax breaks that they deserve. So there's a lot to be done, and you're not going to do it in a vacuum. You're not going to do it if you only will work with Republicans. And I. I applaud Josh Shapiro for reaching across the aisle and, and really working together um, to fulfill his campaign promise of, of school vouchers. And I hope that he will reflect and, and go back and, and say, you know what, I made a mistake. That would be the the um, end-all be-all of leadership, to say, you know what, I was wrong. This is the right thing to do for our poor communities in failing schools, and oh, by the way, why don't we work on fixing the whole system so that every public school is successful, so that every public school's child has an opportunity, and that every kid is getting a good education, regardless if they're um, inner city, rural, whether they're, you know, um, poor immigrants, it doesn't matter, everyone should have an equal opportunity, because every child has potential, it's just what kind of opportunities they have to explore that potential.
1: So what do you think are the odds at this point because your your headline that caught our attention in broad liberty was it's not too late. So what you know why are you hopeful and obviously I think you're a glass half full person but <laughs> what what brings you hope to this as far as getting this all done.
2: Um you know I think that the public outcry and I think the ability of Governor Shapiro to say you know what This is the right thing to do. I think he has that um, empathy, and I think he's a very smart man, and I think he's going to look at this and say, you know what? I'm not going to bow down to special interests. It's the right thing for the children. At the same time, I think we need to fix the education system, and I think that's the two-prong approach he's going to take because he's a very smart man, and he he realizes that we can't sacrifice these children um, for a special interest group. Mm -hmm.
1: I I completely agree with you. And I've known, I, you know, Josh Shapiro, I've known him. He grew up in Abington, and so I've known him mm-hmm. for over 20 years. And so I know his background and, and you know, he and his wife and their four kids and, and all of that. And they've benefited from a hybrid of public and private schools, faith-based schools, all of that. And so I, I feel like in my heart he's looking for kind of um, a window, Where maybe this pathway could be possible. So how do you offer out and make that easy for Governor Shapiro to, 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 in other words, finesse this so that it's not a public, oh, reversal and then a back and forth. How do Republicans and, and some Democrats, how do you make this? How do you grease these wheels or whatever the saying is to make it so that, so that he looks, still looks good in it? And there's a pathway here.
2: I actually think that there's a great pathway for him to say, you know, 100000000 million isn't enough. We're going to put more to it, and we're going to put a five-year moratorium in place. And we have, you know, five years or three years or whatever to get the funding right, to get these schools so that every school has solid academic performance for their students.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. So maybe call it a pilot pass program. Maybe call it a pilot
2: program and say, uh-huh. look, these kids don't have five years while we figure it out. So in that interim, we are going to put this P- program in place, and then we're going to fix it while that program is lifting those children up. Wonderful. Um, I, I think one thing that's really important is, um, and I said this recently in a, in a hearing, educational hearing, is if children can't read, j- just think about going to a foreign country and not being able to read the street signs. Mm-hmm. That's what some of our children in these low-performing schools are experiencing. How are they passing grade level? How are they able to read a prescription bottle? How are they able to enter into a contract? How do they know that their paycheck is correct? That dooms them to low-wage jobs because they don't have basic skills. Once you learn to read, you can educate yourself. You can go to the library. You can get books out. But if you can't read the basics, you're stuck. Yeah. And that's not right. And if you can't do basic math, you, you know, do you know what the percentage of taxes being taken out of your paycheck are? Uh-huh. No, you know, and, and who doesn't look at that and go, who's FICA? I want to know where my money, why my money's going to FICA. Um, you know, that's the reality. And, and that's a sad commentary for this country and this Commonwealth. If we have children that are being passed from grade to grade that cannot read yeah. or read at grade level. Um, and, and, I just don't want that for our kids. I want every kid to have an opportunity to you know, maybe they are immigrant first generation immigrant children. This is the this is the greatest country in the world. We are the country where opportunity abounds, but we have to give them a leg up with a solid education. Yeah.
1: You know, you talked about math, so I wanted to just go over the numbers of the Pennsylvania Award for Student Success, the PASS program. Um, sure. Can you go through some of the numbers? Because I still get pushback from people either calling in, somebody actually called in this morning again, and the perception is, oh, this is a a voucher program for rich kids to go to private schools.
2: Okay. So first of all, it's not for rich kids. If you're rich, you're not getting it. You have to be um, in one of the 15% lowest achieving schools. And living in a household that's 250% or below the federal poverty level, so a family of four, that's $75,000. So you're not rich and you're in a failing school. And if you're already in a private school, you do not qualify. So if your parents have already managed to get you into a private school, you're not going to qualify either. This is literally for the bottom 15% of, failing, of performing schools. And you have to also be in a consideration of a family that is living below the poverty line.
1: And just to be clear, go ahead. ahead. Well, I want to be clear, does this, because the other myth is that it takes Mm -hmm. money away from support for public school education.
2: It does not. So what happens is um, the schools, we have the fair funding formula. And when enrollment declines in a school, the amount of money you get from the state does not decline. So we've got schools out there that have had 50% drops in enrollment and they're receiving the same amount of money as when they had full enrollment, which isn't fair. It absolutely is not fair. And then we have other schools that are you know, bursting at the seams. So what we need to do is we need to fix the fair funding formula. But like I said before, these kids can't wait two or three years while we figure it out, and they're two or three years ahead and still can't read or don't have basic you know, math, don't have basic English. So this is why the PASS system was created, to give those children a pathway to success, to give them an opportunity to get the solid education while we're figuring it out. The adults in the room can't seem to get it together, and <laughs> we need to get it together for these children.
1: It's so true. I wanted to ask you just something else that's a he- that has been a headline in the past uh, 12 hours or less, and that is that uh, Democrats in the Pennsylvania legislature have been saying that they're angry about the fact they say millions of dollars to expand adult mental health services have been cut out of the budget. And so they're pushing, as the stalemate continues, they're pushing to put that back in. Can you tell us, give us some insight into that?
2: I actually... I- can't. I do not believe um, that we cut mental health. It did stay fairly lov- level. Um, does it? Do we need more? Absolutely. We absolutely need more for mental health and we need more for, you know, intellectually um, disadvantaged and autistic um, individuals and it did not increase and I, I, I honestly cannot tell you why it did not.
1: You know, I, I love talking to you and I really appreciate all of your service and your background um, because, you know, you have this business experience in the private sector, but as well, you served in the United States Army for 26 years, including active and reserve service. So we have to thank you for your service as well. And, and just can you describe for us, uh, Senator Pennacook, what that meant for you as far as now serving as a lawmaker and having served in the military with your business background and the private public sector type background, how does that help you as you represent Pennsylvanians and Burks and Montgomery counties?
2: Well, I definitely, um, I definitely don't like bureaucracy. <laughs> um, the last 20 years, we've been at war with Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and the uh, mission has always been to get the job done and, and, and be successful. So, you know, bureaucracy is a little tough for me sometimes to to handle. Um, but that military experience has taught me to work with everyone and to to come together to get the job done. So I think that helps me quite a bit. I don't get along with everyone as far as we don't have the same ideas or the same views on stuff. But if you agree with me a hundred percent of the time, I kind of think that's weird. Um, (laughs) my husband doesn't agree with me a hundred percent of the time and he's stuck with me. So, um, but I think that you it has taught me to how to compromise to get the job done and stay focused on doing the right thing for the people of Pennsylvania. And um, sometimes, you know, the compromise makes you a little unhappy, but you've compromised. And if everyone walks away a little unhappy, but we've done the right thing and, and we've gotten close, mm-hmm. so be it. We've got to move forward because, you know, it is about um, doing the right thing for the constituents of Pennsylvania. And the reality is, We have a job to do, and we need to get that job done. So putting personal issues aside and, and, you know, oh, I don't like the blue blazer you're wearing or whatever, that's all irrelevant. What we have to do is do what's best for Pennsylvania.
1: Since you're on the Veterans Affairs um, Committee, um, and you've served on a lot, I see that you serve on a ton of committees here. But with regards to veterans, one issue I hear a lot, especially with the southern border, is people saying, you know, we're giving so much to people who are coming to this country, maybe legitimate um, asylum seekers or those who are sneaking in and so on. But ultimately, there are a lot of folks who feel like we're taking that takes away from veterans who are suffering. Can you take me through that issue and what it means to you, especially as a military veteran, to work on the Veteran Affairs Committee?
2: So I I have to agree that when we start looking at the numbers that are coming across our southern border, it doesn't just take away from veterans, it takes away from our school children, it takes away from our seniors, that financial drain hits everyone, every taxpayer that hits. Um, What it does for veterans, it does put a strain on veterans, and veterans need so much more. Um, You know, we talk about our Vietnam veterans that are now, you know, getting up in their 70s and the health issues from their exposure to Agent Orange. Those conditions are continuing to be discovered every year, and that presumptive list grows. And you got to remember, those Vietnam veterans... Did not volunteer. Most of them, they were drafted. So imagine being an 18 year old, and you think you're going to college to play soccer or football or you know chase girls or whatever, and you get the you know the draft letter that says, "Hey, thank you, but you're going to Vietnam for a year." I can't imagine what that yeah. what that felt like. And now we've got 20 years of, of veterans that you know think about it. If they went into 18 and they got out at 22, you know, and if it's a woman, they're of childbearing years. Mm-hmm. The VA doesn't provide OBGYN. They don't look at fertility, they don't have fertility clinics. They're set up for men. And so, you know, there's a lot more that we need to do for veterans. There's a lot more research. You know, what exposure, did when we were burning lithium batteries, did we put our soldiers at? You know, burning oil fields, burning waste, burning tires the um, de- depleted uranium on, on some of the rounds that we used so there's all kinds of issues that we need to do a better job taking care of veterans and the, the last you know ultimate issue for me is homeless veterans we should never see a veteran homeless and hungry on the streets um, they should definitely be prioritized over those coming across the southern border illegally um, if you're you're an actual asylum seeker that's a different story but if you're just coming across and you're a criminal or you're trafficking, you know, women and children yes we've got to stop that you know we as a society we don't accept that women and children are being trafficked but it's happening every day coming across that southern border and that's sad yeah. it's just horrific that people are being treated like that in this day and age
1: it is and i think a lot of people's eyes are being open to that with the new movie you know uh, Sound of Freedom, which is incredible, and I've highly recommended it. Uh,
2: you know what we are scheduled. We are scheduled to watch it this weekend. So, oh, um, my daughter just, you know, she said, "Get just be prepared to cry." Yeah. And um, I've heard just rave reviews about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. But you know, that's a sad. That's a sad underbelly of our country. Is that we we do experience a lot of freedoms, and we are very very lucky, and we are the you know best country in the world. But We've got to put our foot down and protect women and children that are being trafficked. And, you know, five-year-olds that are, you know, coming across the border by themselves. That's just sick. It is sick. You're absolutely right. Yeah.
1: 85,000 missing children out of that, too. Mm -hmm. Well, I I love talking to you. I sure hope that you come back. Uh, We really appreciate your time. Pennsylvania Senator Tracy Pennycook, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks and have a great weekend. Thanks, we well, have a good weekend. I hope you enjoy. I know that you're gonna. I know you're gonna enjoy the sound of freedom for sure. Have a good one. We really
0: need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.